Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlay, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 0-2. Round ball down to first. Handled by Flores. He'll run to the bag and the ball game is over. Jacob DeGrom with a complete game performance, the third of his career, does not allow an earned run, lowers his ERA to 1.71, and he has his third consecutive win to go over 500 for the year, as the Mets even up this series with the Phillies, winning today 3-1. And he struck him out, got him with a curveball. Struck him out. Struck him out. 98 from Wheeler on his 109th pitch. He gets Duggar again on strikes. And Pence bounces one on the right side. Reyes moving to his left. Throws out Pence to end the inning, but not before Alan Hansen's two-out bloop double ties the game. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Tuesday, August the 21st, 2018. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Of course, 
You can check me out all the time at MetsamorizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at MikeSilvaMedia, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. You can also check me out at The Grueling Truth, part of the iHeartRadio network. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, It's been a a little bit, over 10 days or a little bit more since the last podcast. Coming to you about an hour or so after a nice Mets win over the Giants. And if you haven't noticed, and if you haven't, you're not going to MetsmerizedOnline.com, I had a chance to get back into the writing game. So I've been doing a lot of thinking, and we'll start here because... That intro, those clips you heard of Zach Wheeler and Jacob deGrom ties into my first piece over at MetsmerizedOnline.com and kind of where I'm going with this special edition, I guess, or midweek edition of the podcast, which this podcast continues to evolve. So let me organize this a little bit. So if you haven't been going, go to MetsmerizedOnline.com and you can check me out. Uh, I think you could just probably go to Mets Thoughts or search me or do something there. Um, I, you know, I don't really, I guess I could give you guys, I guess I could put the author, you know what I got to do? I got to put the author tagline on the, uh, on the Twitter feed, but regardless, I've decided to kind of get back into that game a little bit, not like it used to be. I mean, I remember back in the days at NYBD, if you've been following me since those crazy days, you know, you're talking about writing three to four to five, you know, small to large pieces a day. I mean, there's just no way that's going to happen, nor is that necessary. But what, I, what I've what i decided to do is once a week on a Sunday, submit a piece to MetsmerizedOnline.com for them to publish within a 24-hour or so period, depending on their flow. And this week I spoke about Jacob deGrom and the Cy Young Award and, and why I think he won't win the Cy Young Award. It was pretty appropriate after that great outing on Saturday against the Phillies. And you could check that out about my uh, piece over at Metsmerized Online. It's uh, called DeGrom's Lack of Narrative Will Cost Him Cy Young. So this is the first of of hopefully many, and I think it's a good way to promote the podcast. I think it's a good way to get back into the game here. It's like riding a bike. I, I said to Joe DeCaro over at Metsmerized Online, the, you know, the founder and chief editor over there I said I was nervous I was like I haven't written in so long and and you get out there and you start typing away and when you're passionate about something and when you have an idea and you really know how to articulate it it's like putting a puzzle together you move some things around and all of a sudden you have this I don't want to say masterpiece but this piece that you're writing so I hope you enjoy that I know I got a ton of commentary um I'm not sure if all of the individuals who commented understood it but uh, regardless, and then there was the high heat, and that'll be kind of like the outro to those columns, where I throw kind of a shorter, you know, opinion out there, and something to kind of, it's like the dessert after the meal. So you have the meal, and then you have the dessert. The high heat part of the part of the column is just I throw it out there for you guys. Maybe not as much detail, but it's something that's that's on my mind, and that's where really where I want to start here. Because throughout the the rest of the season, into the offseason, here's how this podcast is going to work. Yeah, I'm still going to do the Sunday show, and I know I've the last couple of Sundays I, I haven't. And right now, I'm, I'm not really trying to stay strict to the Sunday because I, I, I want to do it relative to the news and, and have something fresh. And, and this is the toughest time of the year 
essentially it's garbage time. This is the baseball version of garbage time. You've got the final six weeks or so. Team is not in the pennant race. The only exciting thing, you have, you have the Subway Series game. Now that's over. Maybe you have another series like you had against the Phillies when you play the Braves or the Cubs or the uh, or the Phillies again where you could be a bit of a spoiler. And I think it's important for the Mets to play well in those series because it's a way to set up next year. But you don't have a lot. So it's hard to build a podcast around a specific day like when you when you have the Sunday show and you say, okay, let's recap the week. Let's look at the week ahead, have a guest and whatnot. So I still want to do that. But... I also want this to evolve, and and as this has evolved over the last, this is the third season I've been working with the good folks over at MetsmerizedOnline.com, I said, let's add the writing component, let's do more of these shorter podcasts where I stress or go through my opinion on a bunch of stuff, and then that'll complement some of the longer ones, the hour longs, where you have, similar to this, they have my opinion, my setup, but also the interviews, and maybe at some point, I'll evolve it where these will be the opinion based. They'll be like almost a separate podcast. Then the interview podcast will be more just let's get to the interview. Let's bring it in. Let's bring it in. Get to the interview. Get out. So I'm trying to evolve. I'm trying different things. I think the most important thing here is one, hearing people tweet at me or ask me, when's the next podcast? That's really cool. That means that I'm I'm using your time wisely. And that's important because you are investing time. This is not like an article you could just click in and click out. Or at the most, read it in like three to five minutes. This is, sometimes you're investing an hour or more. So I know that's a big commitment and I do appreciate it. Um, So that makes me feel really good about that. And, um, you know, hopefully we continue to evolve and give you good content regardless of how it is. And I think eventually the thing evolves to what it should be. You you always have to change. And I, I feel I have a pretty good format since I started but I also feel like there were some things I needed to do. So I'm going to try some different things. Ultimately, you'll get a fresh podcast pretty much every week. And throughout the rest of the season, like I said, this garbage time, we're going to look at some of the players or some of the things I need to see from this group because, again, I don't care who the GM is going to be, and I'll get to that in a minute. This is a team I believe that has enough, and you've even heard someone like Keith Law admit in one of his recent chats, Keith Law of ESPN, that there's talent on this team. Now, you're going to have to invest and spend and, 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 and procure it with other probably players that are not in the organization right now, most definitely players that are not in the organization now. But there's, but there's talent on the team, and I think as a first-year manager, Mickey Calloway has to push, and this is the big key that never happened under the prior regime, the field regime and I'll even put that on Alderson and the the GM in the front office, is really instill in these lost seasons some kind of semblance of positive attitude, winning culture, you know, really trying to get something out of the garbage time where you can build and grow. It was always where you felt the Mets just laid down and, and went away. And uh, I haven't seen that yet, and that's a really, really a good thing. So, you know... We'll be talking a lot about that. Obviously, the GM and who the next GM is in that search, that's something that's starting to heat up a little bit. There's so many names out there, and I do want to do something around some of those names, and I'm, I'm trying to work on something with that. But right now, it's all such speculation. When it crystallizes a little bit, uh, I think that'll be a big focus. So we'll, we'll focus on that. 
And then we may, once the GM is named, you know, may, we may take a little break here as well during the playoffs because the Mets won't be part of it so that we could gear up for the offseason. You know, I got some some things I've been talking about planning. So just continue to stay tuned. That's the point. And, and know that I'm going to continue to bring content. So now let's start with where I want to go and, and maybe one of the first points in, in how you take this garbage time and build a winning culture. And it starts really to me with the starting pitching because that's going to be the bedrock of this team. If you don't tear it apart, they haven't so far, and I don't believe they will in the offseason. The, the starting pitching needs to be that bedrock. And part of a staff being that bedrock is having those anchors, those aces, those guys that you could count on. And I really believe a pitcher can't be considered an ace if they can't be relied upon to go deep into ball games and to go deep into ball games i don't care if it was 1987 77 98 2008 you can't do it in 90 pitches unless you're a highly efficient highly compact greg maddox who would somehow sometimes be able to get everything done in 90 to 100 pitches not many pitchers can do that so you've got to push these pitchers to go 100, 105, 110, 115. And lo and behold, the last time through the rotation, you had three pitchers, Wheeler, Syndergaard, DeGrom, who went north of 110. Syndergaard at 115, I believe it was about 113 for DeGrom, uh, 113, 114 for Wheeler, which, by the way, was probably Wheeler's most impressive outing, the one that he had last night that I may have ever seen. But... Getting to the point here, I was amazed on Twitter. It started on Friday with Syndergaard going 115 pitches in, what was it, five and two-thirds. And my good buddy over you know, down in Philadelphia used to be on WFAN, Joe Giglio, uh, you know, I hear him say, oh, Mickey Calloway's a moron. He's, what's the point of pushing Syndergaard? They're, the Mets are going nowhere. And that is such a poor mindset. And I see this when it comes to playing rookies. Like, you guys want to treat this over the next six weeks as pseudo-spring training. And that is not the way you build a winning culture. That is not the way you build an organization. Players still have to earn their spot. You still have to treat these games as games where you want to win. You still experiment and maybe start guys that normally, if you were in a pennant race, you wouldn't trust. But there's no reason why Syndergaard, who gives up three runs in the first inning, early in the ball game, gets down, shouldn't be, if he's as great of a pitcher, because it happens, even the greats, John Smoltz, Maddox, Randy Johnson, they had bad starts to games, but great pitchers are able to then navigate the ball game and keep their team in the ball game and give them innings. And Syndergaard didn't give them much length, but he got them into the sixth, and you know, what are you going to do? You're going to pull the guy. You had a doubleheader the day before. You're going to pull the guy if the four innings, because, well, it doesn't matter. The Mets aren't going anywhere. God forbid you make him go to 115 pitches. His arm is going to fall off. Jacob deGrom, Saturday. All of a sudden, he strikes out Reese Hoskins in the eighth. Oh, that's it. His day is over. Let's go to the bullpen. Why would you go to the bullpen in a 3-1 game against a team that's competing for a playoff spot when you have your starter, who, by the way, you guys want to win the Cy Young Award. Based on the comments I saw in my column. Why would you pull him out after the eighth inning? And furthermore, give them credit. You know, DeGrom asked for the ball. 
And then he gives up a hit to start off the ninth inning. And Callaway sticks with him, and he gets the double play right after. That's the sign of a great pitcher. Guy asked for the ball. The manager should, after he says, you want the ninth, how do you feel? Because that's part of the, the, the process here. He should ask for it. The manager allows him to go out there. And I know that that sometimes is not a perfect science because how stressful it is. We're worried about the guy's arm. We don't know. Look, the guy almost tore a ligament with a check swing in the batter's box back earlier this year. You could get hurt. It could do anything to get hurt. Guy goes out, pitches a complete game. That's an ace. That's a guy. That's the guy you want to emulate. What that guy does in his role on this team is what every player on this roster should do within their role. Go out there, ask for the ball, demand it, and execute at a high level. And then you add that. Look at how that trickles down. Now you've got Wheeler doing the same thing. In this modern game, in the seventh inning, he's in trouble. This is where teams and managers start to do the lefty-righty matchups with the bullpen. No, Wheeler goes out there. He's got the best stuff to get a swing and miss, to get missed bats, to get strikeouts. And he would have got out of the inning without giving up a run if it wasn't for a blue pit. I know he's ticked off because of the shift. I don't necessarily know if I agree with him on that because if the metrics indicate that within a large percentage certainty that the guy's going to hit the ball in those areas, you got to go with that. Yes, and Callaway did say this during the pregame with Wayne Randazzo today, that the, the pitcher has the right to move those runners around. To be fair, when you're in that moment and your mind is focused on getting the batter out, I don't know how attentive to detail that these young pitchers are to moving the runners around if they know they're going to bust the guy inside. But that's part of being a great player, is also being a leader out there on the mound. So maybe that's that's something in the maturation process. But that, to me, is what this team needs. Guys going deep, guys making big pitches, guys taking accountability for their game. And that sets a tone. That's the tone that you want to set going forward. And if they can get that out of those three guys, and I think DeGrom is obviously there, Wheeler's working and going pretty quick towards being there. And we'll see about Syndergaard. I think Syndergaard needs to worry less about hair and Mr. Met and cartoon characters and about trying to figure out if he's more interested in being a great baseball pitcher or he's more interested in being the theory of a great pitcher or the hype of a great pitcher with a cool moniker and maybe leaving everybody wanting. Now, on the back in the rotation, you know, the Matzes of the world and the Corey Oswalt's and things like that, they're not, they're not there yet, and maybe they never will be. They're still falling into the five or six inning range. But that's okay because once your anchor guys get up there, you'll start to see that competitive juices going, and everybody's going to want to follow that lead. And right now, that's the guy is DeGrom. Notice how DeGrom is setting a tone that Matt Harvey never set. He tried to. But they couldn't really get behind them. It's the difference about demanding the ball and trying to bully your way through things versus demanding the ball and executing and knowing how to execute. And that's what DeGrom is. And that's the guy. That's the guy that's at the top of that rotation. Now, you're going to say, but you said he's not a Cy Young Award winner. No. I didn't say it. Listen, I hope he wins the Cy Young Award. What I'm saying is, is that you guys are discounting. I mean, I couldn't believe there were some people in the comments section at my piece over at Metsmerized Online discounting Aaron Nola. Here's a guy whose numbers are right there 
with DeGrom, with Scherzer, and he's going to be pitching in a pennant race. You don't think that that impacts the voters? What I was saying is, is that because DeGrom doesn't have a pennant race, because he doesn't really have the wins to back it up, yeah, he has the narrative where, oh, look at this hard luck guy, but I don't think that's going to garner you many votes. He said he's probably not going to win the, the Cy Young Award. Now, the Nats started to rip their team apart, trading Daniel Murphy, trading Matt Adams. We'll see what more comes over the next week through the end of the waiver deadline. Maybe that impacts Scherzer. Now, Scherzer, who was on the way to winning 20 games and probably being being a plus 15. You know, maybe that, that slows it down. But, uh, you know, look, at the end of the day, the real key here, forget about awards and all that stuff. That's nice. But the key is setting the foundation for 2019. And right now, those three guys, those are the guys I'm looking for. I'm looking to see more of that. And I am so impressed with Zach Wheeler. Here's a guy that I admittedly said I wasn't a big fan of. I didn't like his mechanics. He's always going to get hurt. You talk about Greg Maddox being the epitome of efficiency as a pitcher. Wheeler was the exact opposite. Walked too many guys, struggled to get through five innings. You know, as soon as things got tough, you felt that this the, the whole house of cards was going to fall apart. Now I would say Matt's is more like where Wheeler used to be. And Wheeler is moving forward. So... Um, that's a real good start. That also brings me into, okay, Mike, why are you saying in this lost season it's so important to win? Because here's the two mindsets that drive me nuts in the modern game. Number one, it's about earning your spot. I don't care, you know, who you are, what you hit in the minor leagues, where you were drafted, what your future is. You got to earn that spot. And you got to prove to the manager, to the coaches, to the organization that you belong in there every day. Nothing's given to you. Yes, does that mean because of where you were drafted and because of who you are and how you hit a AAA or A, whatever, you'll get a shot? You'll get a shot. But the work, the stuff that you and I will never see and maybe never hear about is what these guys are going to base it on. And that's why Jeff McNeil is playing. And that's probably why Wilmer Flores is playing, amongst other things. And that's why Dominic Smith is not playing, if I had to take a guess. Because the Mets aren't really all sold that he's that good. He didn't play well at AAA or play as good where you could justify benching him over Flores, who seems to be uh, evolving as a hitter. You know, Keith Hernandez mentioned today how he's going the other way and, and doing some things. I mean, right now, Wilmer Flores coming into today's game uh, was probably the Mets... You know, from an OPS plus standpoint, their best hitter. But he had a better season right now than Michael Conforto in some ways. I mean, Conforto's hit great since the All-Star break. I mean, if Nimmo was in there, you probably would say Nimmo. But, I mean, come on. Why should he sit for Dominic Smith? Why? Because you've got to see what we got? You saw what you got with 100 plus at-bats in six weeks last year with Dominic Smith. If he wants to play better, uh, if he wants to play, go out there, work your tail off. And here's another thing. I agree with with the fans where they get crazy with the Mets play guys out of position. It was clear that Lucas Duda did not have the makeup and the physical build to be an adequate outfielder. But that guy put in the time and the effort and really tried. And it impacted his, his hitting. Same thing with Daniel Murphy. Didn't have the instincts for it. He tried. He didn't have the instincts. But remember, down the stretch in 2008 when the Mets were in a pennant race, Murphy was playing left field. He tried. He really did. And he got some big hits back then. 
This guy can't try to play the outfield? I mean, if you're a major league, if you're playing at the major league level, you should be able to, especially because he's now lost weight. He's not a, a, a fat guy flopping around out there. If Kyle Schwarber could go out there and try to play the outfield, you tell me Dominic Smith can't. And what happened last night was just absurd. So my point is this, is that just because it's lost the garbage time, that doesn't mean that these guys aren't out there competing and winning because that's what's going to build towards next year. You don't just shut it on and off. You don't turn the light switch on and off. It starts now. And are all these guys going to be here next year? No. Look at a guy like Jeff McNeil. Guy wants to be here and be in the major leagues. And we'll see how it goes as he goes around the second time around the league. You may see a little of that as he plays the Braves and the Phillies. He'll play the Phillies a couple of times and Nats and what have you. So maybe they'll get a book out on him just like they did with Nimmo. And Nimmo's had to make adjustments. And that's ultimately what's going to determine whether he's a starter, a bench player, or he's back in AAA at some point. I don't know if you're going to learn about that between now and and the end of the year. But you could see this guy brings a component they haven't had. He's got a level swing. He's scrappy. He's got energy. Here they were. They didn't like the way he was turning double play. They worked with him. And he's doing a better job already. That's what this is all about. That's how you play. You don't get given a position because you're a prospect, because baseball prospectus says so, or because Twitter says so, or because Mets fans are mad because so-and-so ranked you number eight on a prospect list. That's not how this works. Nobody cares once you get into that clubhouse where you went to high school, where you were drafted, and what your ranking was with some uh, website, whether it be Metsmerized Online or another. It's about how you produce, how you work, and how you play now. And if you play well, in my opinion, you should be put into the lineup. Now, I know what you're saying. Well, why is Jose Reyes in there and whatnot and so on and so forth? Fair points. And I know that there's this theory that the owner's making out the lineup card. They obviously see something in Jose Reyes and what he brings to the table that you and I don't. And I have a hard time believing that Jeff Wilpon's telling Mickey Calloway, you have to put this guy in a lineup. I think if they have the guy and they realize the guy's going to be on the roster, and he has not adjusted all that well to a part-time role, that's the one thing I'll say. You just don't throw a guy who's played every day his entire career into a part-time role and expect that everybody does it well. So maybe that played into it. But ultimately, I think, with these young players, they have to earn their spot. And if Jose Reyes is so bad, then you know what? Somebody will take his spot. As you can see, now that Cabrera's gone, McNeil's playing McNeil's hitting. Listen, if McNeil continues to hit like he's hitting and Frazier doesn't need a day off, Reyes is going to be on the bench. I promise you that. You know, Rosario's starting to play better. Rosario's working at it. I mean, I I I haven't been overly impressed with Rosario this year. I mean... He's playing better than Reyes, but has he really made Jose Reyes? Or has he given you reason to believe that Jose Reyes is worthless? Look, in another, on another team, if Reyes was playing at normal levels, or at least what he was doing the prior couple of years in his second stint with the Mets, you could make the argument if the Mets are in a pennant race, you could send uh, Rosario down to the minor leagues and play Reyes. 
because he really hasn't earned that position to hold on to it. There really wasn't a plan B. Let's face it, if the if the owner's saying play Reyes, you could have easily, when Frazier's healthy, when they were still kind of somewhat competing back in June, Rosario wasn't hitting, sent him down to the minors, let Reyes play every day at short. If Cabrera at second. I mean, the Phillies are playing Cabrera at short. Mets could have done that too. So that's really where I was going with my high heat piece over at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Understanding that it's still about Winning. It's still about developing the attitude and the culture. It's still about earning a position. But most importantly, what you've seen this week is how those three pitchers were pushed. And that's the challenge I have to make at Callaway. I sometimes feel there's still a little hesitation with him. But you know what? DeGrom asked for the ball. Wheeler uh, pushed himself. And I saw a tweet today from our good friend Joe Del Grippo. He used to write over at NYBD. He said, oh, Wheeler... Should have went out for another inning. Now, that might be pushing it too much. He was already 113 pitches. And the part that we also have to take into account is the stress of the pitchers. There were some high-stress innings that Wheeler did. So 113 isn't always 113. But that's how you're going to build a winning foundation. And if you can get that from those three guys and they can stay healthy, boy, you go into 2019 with three really solid pitchers. And then you got to hope that you figure something out with four and five with Mats and Oswald and Vargas is back. And then you got guys like Justin Dunn pitching well down at double A. You got Lugo who may try to get himself in a conversation and Gazelman and who the heck knows. But you might actually be able to go a decent, realistic eight deep. And that's what this team didn't have at one point this year. They didn't have it last year. And they had it in prior years. And that's why they, back in 2016, they were able to make the playoffs because guys like Lugo and Gazelman came out for the minors and pitched well. Now Oswald's that kind of guy. So to me, that's the takeaway right now. Those are the things I'm looking for. That's how this has got to work. And you got to get out of your head about extended spring training. That's not what this is about. That's not how you build a winning culture. And who knows? You know, you might see Batista go and Mezzarocco go at the deadline. I don't know what they're going to do at the waiver deadline. And, and right now... The real puzzling thing is they could score over five runs a game on the road, but they can't score at City Field. Even Conforto, look, he hit an, uh, he's hitting really well since the All-Star break. But I wouldn't hand him anything either. I wouldn't hand anybody anything. Everybody's got to work and everybody's got to learn that their position is not guaranteed. There's nobody out there right now, every day, on the starting lineup that should feel safe about their position in the big leagues. None. You know, except for maybe Todd Frazier, a guy like that has a big contract. The rest of those guys, they could be gone tomorrow. And that's what it's about. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this, I guess, modified edition. I am working on some other things, some other podcasts. I anticipate being back this weekend. Stay tuned for that. In the interim, keep going to MetsmerizedOnline.com to... See my latest article. Of course, you could check me out not only at MetsmerizedOnline.com, but at one of my many places to listen to the podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. You could also check me out at The Grueling Truth, part of the iHeartRadio Network. Just keep tuning in to the Talking Mets podcast. You never know what you're going to get. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'll be back with another edition of the Talking Mets podcast very soon. Be well, everybody.